We have City Administrator Ben Martig. Ben, good morning. Good morning, Jeff. You probably do better without your headphones on today. <laughs> it's kind of an echo. Yeah, a little bit of an echo. That's one of the things we have to work out still. So uh, we'll just go without that. All right. We're both here. We're, we're both to the part now where we can talk. So let, let's do that. Uh, city Administrator Martig is with us right now. And um, we had a uh, city council work session last night, the first work session of the new year. You had uh, a number of different... Um, topics to discuss last night. We'll start off with the uh, Coalition of Greater Minnesota Cities. Uh, you got a presentation from them, kind of a recruitment presentation. They'd like to have Northfield join. Uh, tell us a little bit about this. And also, Rich and I were talking about what separates this organization from the League of Minnesota Cities. Uh, could you kind of go through that with us as well? Sure. The uh, Coalition of Greater Minnesota Cities uh, is an organization um, this Northfield has not been uh, a part of, but they represent really outstate uh, Minnesota. So outside of the seven-county metropolitan area, they advocate for Minnesota, greater Minnesota cities on particular is- issues of interest. So local government aid, uh, which is an important funding source we get, economic development, environment, and transportation, really kind of really focused on um, those needs of outstate Minnesota, making sure they're, they're being represented. Now, they do provide through annual conferences and things too, kind of as a side side piece of work that they do. They also do provide some professional sessions, and then they have um, different types of uh, breakout sessions, but they're primarily focused on legislative advocacy. We are members of the League of Minnesota Cities, which represents almost every city in Minnesota. They're a very robust and, um, I would say, primary organization for cities related to management, support for professional government at the local level, uh, legislative advocacy and other member resources. Um, so this, their niche, I would say, is, is really focused on Greater Minnesota uh, cities, in in particular, in helping to represent them uh, at the Capitol. Uh, once again, City Administrator Ben Martig is uh, with us now. Uh, were you impressed with the uh, the presentation that they gave? Uh, is, is it uh, does does it cost the city anything to join, and are the benefits uh, worth it? Yeah, we had the uh, mayor of Laverne came uh, over, so quite a long, quite a long drive there for Pat Boston. Uh, so we appreciate uh, them. They're the president of the league, and then Shane Zard, who Flaherty and Hood actually provides the organizational support, and you might be familiar with them. Their legal entity of their organization represents us both in our civil attorney as well as our personnel uh, HR. Uh, attorney, but I've been familiar with the coalition um, in my previous two positions. They're they're well respected. The p- presentation was thorough. Um, there is a cost. They do a phase in kind of fee, but uh, f- for that, but the but the full amount of fee uh, for the coalition of Greater Minnesota Cities would be in a full fourth year phase in would be about forty one thousand dollars. So it's you know, part of what we're looking at too is a cost issue. We did so. It's you get twenty five percent per year. We can back out at any time. So, council would decide next week whether they want to consider joining. They could always change their minds later to test drive it or or choose not to to do it as well. Um, I would say again, kind of back on the what differentiates themselves in my perspective too. They. You know, Minneapolis, St. Paul have multiple lobbyists. Um, the metro cities have their own lobbyist uh, efforts as well. Northfield's kind of close to that. You know, we're a foot in and a foot out of 
the Twin Cities metropolitan area, so we're kind of in a unique position. But uh, they're gonna they would lobby very hard and more actively for direct funding for things like local government aid, where some organizations like the League of Minnesota Cities, because they represent many communities. Many communities don't get any aid from the state of Minnesota through local government aid, so they kind of balance um, a little bit out some of their advocacy so it's a little more targeted. So they're a professional organization. We have a lot of priorities in the city and needs. If the council, you know, I think it'd be a good, if they wanted to get involved and be active in it, I think it's a good opportunity for them. But also I, I understand, too, there's costs and benefits to weigh we do have other people helping with the lobbying, so we'll let our elected officials make that decision. Has this uh, organization been around long enough that they have a track record that you could look at? Yeah, I think they're. I think they probably um, they've been around for a very long time. I guess I don't have the exact facts of when they started, but they're very very well established and recognized. Uh, they're. Their lobbyists are well well respected, much like the League of Minnesota Cities. All right, uh, Ben Martig, once again our guest. Uh, you discussed the uh, planning commission request for a response to a preliminary plat action. I understand this uh, has to do with uh, the uh, Craywood uh, development, and but kind of goes beyond the, the discussion. Kind of went beyond that, and what uh, you know, how do you handle written or uh, responses to different commissions? Yeah, so it's a unique item, I guess. We spent some time on it, but the Planning Commission formally sought clarification of two items related to the Craywood development. One was the Highland Avenue stub uh, connecting in, which basically would dead end. Staff was recommending uh, that that you kind of include to the end of the property the street to be developed so that if and when the street gets extended, that it would be uh, be there and already in existence, and include, including pavement and curb. And then secondly, creating a non-motorized, multimodal connection from Craywood to Ivanhoe Avenue. At the end of Ivanhoe on the other side of the street, there is a a uh, trail piece, and there's a long cul-de-sac that dead ends. And so this would provide an opportunity for emergency management vehicles to get through from the Craywood development side over in the case of an emergency. Might be able to be providing some pedestrian access potentially as well. Um most of, most of the items, the vast majority of things, were supported by staff on the Planning Commission's full recommendation. There was a couple alternates we gave to the City Council. Um, they chose to go with those staff alternates. So the Council last night, I think, came to a consensus that referencing the staff report recommendations on that, they added that in. There was a lot of public discussion, obviously, on that project. And um, maybe through some of the discussion of the Council, those two particular items might not have been verbalized in great detail. So the council, I think, pr- clarified that last night that we'll be sending back to the planning commission. The broader discussion was <laughs> kind of about, you know, in these cases where a border commission wants more detail on the action the council takes, particularly as it relates to planning cases that are kind of quasi-legal decisions. Do you go back and provide clarity on some of those, or d- does the actions themselves kind of speak for themselves? So we talked about the importance when we do these staff reports to it, uh, differentiate the options and even in the findings that the council acts on to try and differentiate those in the findings so that it's kind of well documented as best practice we can send it back and it's clear on their decision making so some good discussion um and kind of how to, how to handle these two outside of it but i think we got our direction from the council to share with the planning commission all right uh ben marty once again our guest uh the final uh item on the agenda had to do with redistricting and uh, is this the like the step one in the process that uh you're going to be looking at while the redistricting goes on 
Yeah, that's right. So we're kind of in a waiting phase right now a little bit for the state of Minnesota to determine the legislative districts. Um, so the uh, first step is we see if the legislature can come to agreement. So the House and the Senate uh, are working on submitting those um, into the review. Um, if they can't come to agreement, it will go to a court process to make the decision, which predictions right now out there from many people are is that they believe it will end up in the in the court process to really make that decision, uh, which would happen uh, at, at a later point. I think at about February 15th, we'll have more direction on kind of where it's going. But kind of knowing where that's at, we, we have a ward system here that kind of breaks our representation from city government out into four different wards. Um, then we have three at-large positions of the city council. So we need to, we'll need to establish those after the, the state makes their decision. We'll need to establish whether our boundaries change or if they stay the same for the wards. And then secondarily, we have two voting locations called precincts in each one of those wards for voters as well. And so we also are looking at um, uh, are those at capacity? Is there enough space and availability for people to easily get in and vote? Because we want to encourage you know, good elections where people can get processed through on that. By statutes, uh, election districts have to be compact, contiguous, equal in population to some degree, and then composed of census blocks. So we have to follow the actual blocks of the census. And um, we have some principles that inform inform us on this, preserving political subdivisions, preserving communities of interest, political competitiveness, and not to protect or pair up incumbents. So you really don't want politics to get in the way of logical uh, boundaries as it relates to that. I think at the local level, that's easier done probably than gets a lot more challenging at the state and federal level to completely be unbiased on that. But um, the good news for us locally is, um, I th in my mind, it's good news because it potentially means not as much <laughs> work or headache, I guess, <laughs> to get this changed as we have a pretty balanced population and compact and contiguous within our wards, even after the census. So the biggest variance we have is in Ward 3 with a 5% variance from the average and um, our city charter, which we're a charter city that can define specifically what that variance is, but ours does not. Um, so we've looked at the, the definition of that our attorney weighed in last go around. We pulled that memo out and identified it. And he basically said, f five five percent, if you're within that range, you're good. It's even larger in some like uh, other settings uh, at the state or federal level at like 10% variance is sometimes considered okay. So we're within five um, percent on all of those districts. And in looking at future growth of the city, the city could grow in a number of different ways. So we did talk about, could you predict or try and balance out for the next go around? Well, the city technically has potential residential development in multiple directions for us. So it's a little bit of a guessing game. So I guess with that, it's likely one option is just stay where we are. Um, and then, uh, also we're looking at maybe one, uh, minor shifting in precinct, um, location uh, over on the east side of town. Frankly, the neighborhood we'd move in would actually be probably more convenient for them based on where the polling location uh, would, or election location would be. So um, probably not a lot of changes coming from us unless the legislative boundary would change significantly. The Dakota County border right now is, a sep is the separation point where we have different representation uh, legislatively. If that war were to, say, split through the middle of the city or something, 
that could change pretty dramatically how we have to establish our ward boundaries because we need to follow those uh, district lines as well. So I'm kind of hoping for uh, no change <laughs> legislatively uh, for the city would be nice, I, I guess, as we wait and see what happens at the state level. Yeah, uh, Boy, that's a big question mark uh, yeah. right now. And you say that will be... Uh mid-February, uh, likely, when you get some guidance on that, when they get done? Yes, uh, mid-February. Council last night, too, the League of Women Voters, who's an independent entity, you know, nonprofit entity that advocates for, I would say, fair, open elections to try and avoid political influences on that, kind of has a standard values suggestion that they've been providing to the council. Uh, we adopted a, a similar statement the last time around. The council did ask that we add that to the agenda, uh, for consideration of approval of that too. That will lay out kind of our current tentative timelines and would also offer public input locally during that process. So uh, whether or not there are significant changes, we'll have an opportunity for the community to get more information and weigh in on it if they'd like to. All right. Uh, ben Martig with us. So one other question for you. This is not involving last night's meeting, but uh, some events from last night. We had uh, uh, XL Energy just uh, disconnected the power to the Archer House uh, and infected us. We were off the air for a little while last night. Uh, but as far as moving forward, do you uh, have any information from the city's perspective on uh, is uh, the demolition going to begin pretty soon? Yeah, so through our community development department, uh, the, the building inspections department handles uh, demolition uh, approvals and processes. Yesterday, I got a little word from the director that um, next week they're going to be starting probably some incremental uh, points of preparation and beginning kind of the demolition process and that they were developing a press release. I do not have details, unfortunately, okay. at this point, but stay tuned for your listeners. We should have information for you to share out to the airwaves uh, yet uh, today, hopefully. Oh, good Today news. or tomorrow, I would say we'll have more information as we get those details, but unfortunately, I don't, I don't have much for you there, Jeff, but um, yeah, I was aware that they're starting to do some of those preparations. Well, information is the first step in tearing the whole thing down, so <laughs> we're happy with that. All right, anything else, Ben? I don't think so. Maybe just uh, since we're out of time, but the, you know, we did have a lot of discussion about governance improvements on the work session that we talked about. So we came in and kind of gave kind of a state of where we're at, more information coming on that. And um, we're also expecting some federal grant opportunities uh, that are going to be coming available this spring. And the council supported uh, staff uh, for this community federal funding potential availability to s uh, submit through uh, Representative Angie Craig's office. Uh, for potential earmarks for a project as they supported the uh, poten potential new water plant expansion uh, and treatment facility to be the dollars that we apply for related to that particular project. So we'll be ramping up on that and have more information coming out on that uh, soon as well. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thank you, Jeff. City Administrator Ben Martig. You're listening to 95.1 FM and AM 1080 KYMN Northfield. Got Rich standing by. He'll take a look at local news next.